0: did i already do i don't know anyway i might have already done that introduction who's going to do the research and really find out i am oh oh, well there goes that idea anyway welcome back to the through the eyes of jesus podcast my name is isaiah leininger thank you for putting up with my antics uh joining me today as always is my good friend walker Howell and a returning guest for uh, to help us out with season three We have Colin Holbrook. Colin, you came on. Howdy, 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 howdy. Uh, Colin came on in season one to help us talk about what forgiveness is and had a really, really, really good episode with him the first time. Looking forward to this recording session as well. So go ahead and check out Colin's episode in season one over forgiveness.
1: The greatest gift ever given. That's what it's called. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Uh, So, but we we brought Colin Holbrook back with us uh, to help us with season three. And in season three, we're really looking at doctrinal issues, things that kind of divide the church, things that may split the church, uh, things that we don't really understand the same way as some other Christians. Uh, And this one is less of a doctrinal issue and more of laying the foundation for other episodes to come. Uh, So as you can tell today, we're going to be looking at acts of worship. We're going to be looking at the things that we do when we're worshiping why we do them, what benefit do they have, that kind of thing. And so, uh, Colin, before we kind of jump into this, do you want to go ahead and int- introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Colin Hobrick. Uh, they gave me a good
2: uh, introduction. Uh, hopefully, you don't have high standards for me on this podcast, because <laughs> I will not meet them today, probably. Uh, we were. I was blessed with a topic that was very close to my heart last time, and this time... Worship is also close to my heart, so I'm thankful for these two knuckleheads for <laughs> letting me. <laughs> an
1: accurate description of us. Very yeah, good. For, yep. <laughs>
2: for letting me on here and talk about things that I love to talk about. And I hope you all are having a good day listening, and I hope you two are having a good day as well.
1: Hey, today's a great day. It's the first day of college football. Georgia Bulldogs are playing good dogs. Playing. Good dogs you know? yeah.
0: and and K- Kentucky's
1: ranked for the first
2: time this season. Uh, that is We're right. not
0: going to talk about what, what team I'm cheering for. Anyway, acts of worship. Oh, uh, yeah, we lost badly. Uh, heartbreaking. <laughs> That's anyway. for another day. Maybe yeah. we can
1: talk about them in the, uh, well, if we do another episode of her, I don't know, continuing.
0: Wow, that was helpful. Anyway, <laughs> acts of worship. What do we do? Why do we do them? What benefit do they have? Those kinds of questions. But before we can really jump into this topic, we need to define what worship is.
1: We learned from last time I shouldn't probably define worship because I messed that up i messed it up last time (laughs) but we'll try it again Uh, worship is uh feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity uh, in our case god so just expressing ourselves to god um, expressing ourselves and uh showing him the reverence and adoration he deserves um anything you want to add on top of that yeah uh
0: so the idea of worship it really has three cat three categories of of individuals that it benefits. Uh, The idea, of course, like you mentioned, is that we are there to work in worship. We are there to praise God, right? Mm -hmm. So that's priority number one. We are there to praise God. We're there to learn about God. We're there to draw near to God and and be more like him. That's number one. Number two, when we are present at worship, it helps other people. It helps other Christians, right? Because they're going to hear you when you sing, you know, if if you're given the chance to lead a prayer or a song or read scripture or deliver the lesson or whatever it may be, your service will edify other people. And even if you're not leading in worship, your presence is still going to edify other people. You're still going to be able to encourage other people. And so priority number one, praise God. Priority number two, edify others. And priority number three, and these are two and three are not in order you can put these in whatever order you like but it's for yourself right not only are we commanded to worship but it's beneficial for us to worship did you have something you wanted to add there All right.
2: No, i think you're doing a good job
0: well As i don't know always. about that but anyway the point is praise god encourage others strengthen your faith right that's the three basic reasons that one would go to worship Uh, And and we also see the idea of devotion in worship, right? We as Christians, we're supposed to live our lives for God. That's what we're called to do, right? Uh, I've been using this verse a lot lately. It's it's been in my mind a lot. But Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lived in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we as Christians, when we're baptized, we are crucified with Christ. We are raised again to walk in newness of life. That's Romans chapter 6 and verse 4. And we are supposed to dedicate our new life to Christ. And so when we show up, show up at worship, that shows that we are being at least somewhat devoted. Obviously, worship is just a small portion of our week, right? You may be at worship three hours out of the, the, the week. You know, that's 24 hours in a day, seven days a week. I'm not doing the math. But the point is, that's, that's a small portion of your week that's spent in worship. But it, it's still still very, very important thing to attend worship. It, you know, it shows that you're being devoted to God. It shows that you're devoted to love and to unity like God has asked you to be. And, you know, something that, that really bothers me is, is sometimes people will say, excuse me, Sometimes people will say that I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. And in my mind, you can't do that. That's an oxymoron, right? That's that's like saying, I work at McDonald's, but I've never once stepped foot in the building. I mean, sure, right? Call yourself a McDonald's employee all you want. But unless you are actually working in McDonald's, you're not really in a McDonald's employee. Unless you're like some higher, upper-level guy. But the point is, right, you can't just say that you're a Christian and not go to church, right? I mean, what, what the, like like I said, the point of worship is to praise God, is to uplift other people, and is to strengthen your faith. You can do those things outside of worship, but worship is the commanded way to do that, at least in, in, in some part. So it, it bothers me when people say, you know, I don't want to go to worship. I don't want to spend time worshiping God. And, and sometimes the reasons that they give is, is not about God, but more about things that really don't matter, right? Well, I don't, this, this building doesn't have AC, so I'm not going to worship here. Or uh, I don't like having to sing that many songs. I'm not going to worship here. Or maybe it's something, you know, maybe it's a people problem, right? Maybe you had a disagreement with somebody. In that congregation, and you're like, I don't want to worship anymore. At that point, your faith is not in God; your faith is in people. And when our faith is in people, we are shown time and time again throughout the scriptures, and I'm sure we can all come up with relevant examples of when we put our faith in somebody that's going to fail, right? Because we're people. People are very, very, you know, easily failable. uh, I, I guess would be a way of saying it. You know, they're 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 likely to fail. We're human. Right. Uh, I believe it's Harry Truman who said, to err is human, right? That's what we do. We err. We fall short. And so it's important for us to be together in the assembly. You know, the, the Hebrew writer, he said that uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, he, he, he really speaks on the importance of attending the worship service, of being there with God. Uh, He says, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So the author here is saying, he's saying, you know, when you're gathered together, you are there to stir up love, you're there to stir up good works, you're there to encourage one another. So it's important when you're a Christian that you dedicate, even if it's that small amount of time, and you and you're you know you've got a busy life. Dedicate that part of your life to God. That's Sundays are for God, right? And either of you guys want to jump in and make this more than the Isaiah Leininger show?
2: You know, I do think it's important that we that we devote Sunday to God, but we we mustn't forget that every day should be devoted to God, you right. know. Amen. We need to have the the mentality of every time the doors are open, I need to be there. It's not just oh, Sunday is God's day. Every day should be God's day. We need we need to have our mentality set to where you know, everything that I'm going to do is to glorify God and, you know, I need to try every every waking day to worship God and to give God thanks whether You know that's doing laundry or going driving to work or getting lunch or getting dinner you know you can do you can glorify God in everything you do it's all about whether you choose to do that and sacrifice you know the things of this world that we all like sorry my voice is raspy I can hear it but we've had club run and everything so but even at club run at Fred University I can still glorify God when I'm screaming and running all over the place you know there's you know, God needs to be glorified in everything that He does for all the gifts that He He gives us. You know, I like to think of the idea that God glorifies us all the time, so we should glorify Him all the time.
1: Sure. Amen. You know, I think, uh, like Colin said, it it, it shouldn't be uh, where we are. Uh, I think oftentimes we have the um, "I have to go to church" mentality, or I have to be there sort of mentality instead of the i want to mentality and that's sort of what colin alluded to just a few minutes ago and i believe that it shouldn't just be on sunday whenever we're uh, whenever we're worshiping god i think we should worship god all the time um not just uh not just whenever the doors are open but get a group of friends together have a devotional um One of the things I love about Fried Hardeman Is how many devotionals we have during the week Um, I I think there is a devotional That falls on every single night of the week Except Wednesday night if I'm not mistaken Maybe well Friday we have your Bible study
2: Wednesday Um, night is Diva in the Dark
1: Wednesday night is Diva in the Dark Uh, So I lied so we have a devotional Just about every single night of the week And so there's always a chance To get involved and to Be a part of God's family But I think an issue that comes with this Is that being at a Christian university, and this is not going to apply to all of our audience, so but just just bear with me because this will ultimately tie into everyone at the end. Being at a Christian university, it is easy to go to all these different events, to go to all these different devotionals and stuff, but still not actually be worshiping God because worship at its core is from the heart. And if your heart is not set in worship, if your heart is not set on glorifying God in that moment, then are you really worshiping to begin with? And so uh, we have to make sure that our heart is there first before we were even present uh, physically. And if our heart's not there, then we've just went through the motions and haven't really gave any glory to God.
2: Right. Right. I like this next. I like the next thing called why is it important? I don't know if we've been talking about that right now. Is that what we've been talking about? Go for it. Go for it. I love how it. It says, without you, the church is incomplete. And then it says, Christ died for you to get an extra hour of sleep. You know, I think a lot of times we we tend to put Christ on the back burner. And we tend to not realize the importance of going to church. You know, going to church isn't, there are so many things that benefit from us going to church. and Because it, it says you are hurting when you're not there. You know, I don't think I can grow closer to God while I'm asleep. I don't think I can grow closer to God screaming at the TV watching Kentucky get beat again in football. You know, I don't feel like I'm, I'm learning about God or growing closer to God or helping others go closer to God. You know, we get this idea of, you know, this is all about me. You know, everything that I do, it's going to hurt me. No, this, this is, this involves so many more people. When you're at a church, so many people see that when you're, not glorifying God in everything you do. People see that. People are always watching. As a Christian, people are always watching us. And and everything that we must do must be to glorify God or people are going to see that. And, you know, that might that might push somebody away or that might give the church a bad reputation. I think the church sometimes leaves a bad taste in people's mouth because us Christians don't show them what the church truly is. Or, you know, we, we tend to, Do things that aren't Christian-like or say things or go to things that aren't Christian-like. Instead of going to church, we're going to party. You know, people see that and they're like, well, what's this about? Jesus died for you to do this? You know, he did that. Like, we're not showing them the good news. We've got to go to church. We've got to praise God. We've got to glorify God so that non-Christians see that and see the good news and hear the good news. And, you know, hopefully that brings them closer to God because we want to save as many souls as possible.
1: Yeah, and I think it also goes to the fact that. Uh, well, before I get to that, I want to mention about this. Uh, Without you, the church is incomplete. There's an online program called Meditas, and in this program, you can sign up for it. It's completely free. It's an online Bible study course that you can go through and stuff. And they have a less. They have a series of lessons in here. It's called Lessons from an Underground Church. And so the whole, the whole uh, introduction part of this lesson series is. Uh, there's the narrator of this lesson series he's explaining about his experience in China and how in China you are it, it is extremely forbidden to talk about uh, Christianity or anything like that because they have their own religion that they practice and stuff like that so if you get caught practicing another religion you are essentially sentenced to death in that in that country and so in this series he talks about uh, how all of the people who went to this underground church in China, Valued that uh, value being there so much, and they were so happy and so thankful to be there. And it makes me sit back and wonder why. Why is it that we that the churches here in America today are not like that uh, all the time? Because I think oftentimes we we are. We may not even be happy to be there. We may just be there because we're being forced to be there. But there's other people in other cultures and in other countries that are dying to be in that setting, that are dying to be around other people. And whenever you're not there, like Colin said, it not only affects you, um, you're hurt by not being there, but it also affects everyone else in the building. Because in 1 Corinthians 12, we see Paul there talking about the unity and how everyone works together uh, for one purpose, and that is to glorify God. And if one person is not here within worship, then the church itself is not complete. I
0: feel like I've talked too much. Isaiah? I, th- I think that's a really, really good explanation of everything that we wanted to say with, with those couple points. You know, like like we said, being at worship is important. We need to make sure that we are, you know, serving God every day of our lives. But being at worship services is important for the purpose of growing closer to God and helping other people do the same. I think it's now time for us to really dive into the... Different things that you may do at a uh, or in a worship setting, and like we said earlier, we're not going to go in depth with a lot of these. A couple of these we have episodes coming out later on, uh, so we're not going to going to really spend too much time doing it. Uh, but we do want to go ahead and start off w- uh, with that at this point in the episode. And you know, one of the things that almost every congregation that I've been to does first is they have Bible classes. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll, they'll split everybody up and, you know, some of the younger kids will go here. Some of the older kids will go here. The teenagers will go here. The adults will stay in the auditorium and they'll have Bible classes. And that is for the purpose of meeting each group where they are. Right. You're not going to have somebody go into the the toddler's class and start talking to them about, you know, the Trinity or the Holy Spirit or, you know, th- things of that nature because they're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Right you're going to go in there, you're going to teach them, you know, who's Jesus? He's the son of God. What did he do? Well, he loved us and he died for us.
1: What happened to Jonah?
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Jonah and Daniel and David and Goliath and, you know, Adam and Eve. And, you know, some of the stories that can be, I don't want to say boiled down, but, you know, simplified, simplified, I guess would be a good way of looking at it for younger audiences. Right. And then you've got, you know, older children and you've got teens and you've got the adults and you know, each, each one of them are probably going to be going through different things, you know, depending on the congregation and and the leadership of that congregation. But you know, they're going to be going through different things. And the point of those classes is to spend time in God's word, Mm -hmm. spend time meeting each specific group where they are so that they can continue to grow closer to God. And, And Colin, I know that you've taught classes before, uh, youth classes and teen classes and things of that nature. Uh, do you want to go ahead and, and, and talk about you know the the importance of Bible classes? You know, I think
2: Bible classes are really good. There's something in Bible classes that I love in is discussion. Mm. You know when whenever you're giving a sermon, it's really hard to I don't think I've ever heard discussion in a sermon. and I think I think that's good. you know the preacher spent all this time working on his sermon. And developing a sermon so we can give it to the best of his ability. And that's what we're learning from. But in Bible class, you know, there's an open space for discussion. Kind of like in a class where if you've got a question, you know, the teacher can do their best to, to answer it. I think that's really crucial. And especially when you're working. I worked with teenagers this summer. I'm still working with teenagers. And I'm to be a youth minister. So, I, you know, teenagers have a lot of questions as everyone knows that. I think it's so important that whenever we have these teenagers that have these questions, we try our best to answer them in Bible class because you don't want a teenager having doubts. You know, in the church, we need to be able to to manage these doubts and to answer these doubts when our teenagers have questions. So whenever they come to Bible class, we've got to be as teachers of these students and just people in the congregation. We must be ready to minister to these, to these teenagers. And I think it's so important because, you know, you can dive into topics that you can't really give a sermon about. And Bible class. And you can, there are some people that learn better in Bible classes. I just love the idea of Bible class. You know, when I was younger, I used to take it for granted. Mm -hmm. But now I'm so thankful for the the opportunities to go to Bible class.
1: And I think uh, Bible class is essential, like Colin was saying, not only for discussion, but it's just so you get to interact with people on your own age level. Um, I think in worship, we're sitting next to. Our families sometimes, or we're sitting next to uh, a group of people who may not be the same age as us. Um, And so it can be hard to uh, really get to know or feel that family connection if you're not around the group of people that are around your same age or around the same things that interest you or whatever. But if you go to a Bible class, where you're in a class with a group of people, whether y'all are the same age group, if that's how your Bible classes are divided, or maybe you are there because you're interested in the same topic, you then have common ground with that person. And so you can then share uh, common things that you share in common and stuff like that. And so it's a great way to make connections to find common ground with people and to work together to to learn more about God. Um, But if we gotta start doing these things and we gotta start going to classes, Um, young because if we start doing it young and we start and parents if we start training our children the importance of Bible class and we start teaching them why it's important to be there and the importance of it then when they're old hopefully they won't depart from going to class and hopefully they'll teach their kids to go to class. Proverbs 22 6 reminds us of that similar idea. Train up a child in the way that he should go and when he is old he will never depart from it and so uh, it's important that we start young Uh, developing the importance of Bible class, developing the importance of worship. So whenever our kids get older, they then will not forget that importance of Bible class and worship. And they'll teach their kids, and their kids will teach their kids, and it'll just be a keep-on-growing thing for years to come.
0: Yeah, so I think that's a really, really good point, Walker. Uh, And again, the reason that we kind of split up these Bible classes is so that we can help these kids learn mm-hmm. right and and the adults are there, are there for bible class as well right you know they're, they're there to learn and you know maybe the bible class for the adults is going to go into a lot more depth on a uh, or going to you know be able to hit a lot more topics than you would with smaller children but the point is to be able to meet people where they are so i think i think that's a really really good albeit brief discussion of classes uh, and so what usually happens next in the worship setting, at least in most congregations that I've been to, is we'll sing a couple songs. Uh, and like I mentioned earlier, we have an episode coming out with Zach Barnhart about music in worship. So we're not going to spend a whole lot of time in, uh, in this category. But the point is uh, that, 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 that we see in the scriptures and that we made in that episode is that we are to sing in worship. We are to sing praises to God. We get this from verses like Ephesians chapter five and verse nineteen, where Paul tells the Ephesian church to address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the heart or to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.
2: Well, you see, I had something about classes, but we've already moved on. So you know what? You can you can go for it. Go for it. Okay. Well, I realize it said gender. And I, I forgot to mention the importance of having these classes switched. Because, you know, especially for teenagers, I, I focus on, I'm, I'm a youth ministry major. So I, I think I tend to focus on helping the youth and the teenagers. And, you know, we did split classes this summer. And I think, you know, we the teenagers have different needs as young men and women in the church. You could say that for adults as well. You know, we, we have to serve differently and we have different roles. And, you know, we need to especially with teenagers I found we've got to teach them as they're young so they realize why we do what we do the roles that we have why we have those roles you know the importance of those biblical roles that God has given us and you know I think in our culture today you know it you know not to slander anybody or to say anything wrong but I think the culture gives us this idea of independence and you know we've got to be able to all do it on our own man or woman and but I think the Bible talks about how we, we need each other. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that the Bible tells us, hey, you can't do what this world says. You are equal, but this is why you're equal. And these are things you need to do. You know, and I think a lot of times other people outside of the church can think that we're sometimes controversial, but we've got to teach these these youth, these kids, like why that we do what we do and why it's biblical and why it's for our, for our best interest. And we've got to make sure that we are, these kids are grounded on doctrine and grounded <laughs> on spiritual truths. And, you know, when you split them up, you can really dive into that as deep, like, you know, you don't really need to be talking about why a man needs to preach in a woman's class. Like, I mean, you can, but I mean, there's no really point because that doesn't concern to them. We need to be talking about why men do things and why women do things, you know, and it's good to meet their needs where they're at.
0: I think, I think that's a really good point. Uh, split classes can definitely be beneficial for for especially teenagers. I would I wouldn't obviously recommend doing it all the time because you do want yeah. to have that that unity that fellowship together. But I definitely agree with you that split yeah. classes and, for and certain topics, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. For, yeah, yeah. For yeah. Certain That's topic. a good way of putting it. Yeah.
2: And when we talk about singing, I don't want to jump in too deep because you know, brother Zach is going. I bet brother Zach is going to do a fantastic job. I don't know if y'all have not heard Zach yet, but y'all guys ran for a treat. He is he is awesome. But, uh, you know, our first point is what is singing? I, I love to sing. I don't know if y'all do, but, you know, whenever we think about singing in church, there's just something about it. You know, there's something about closing my eyes, mem- having the songs memorized, listening to all my brothers and sisters harmonize, and just... Not getting lost, but just diving into worshiping God, and I, I'm so thankful that we get to do that. You know, I think there's a big reason why we do that, and I'm, I love to sing. It's it's so hard to explain. If you never, if you've experienced a good singing night, you guys know what I'm talking about. Listening, but if you haven't, I recommend going to one. It's
1: at Freed Hardeman. We we get blessed with a lot of great singing. Uh, Clayton Chapel singing is one of the traditions we have here on campus, and it happens every other Wednesday night. And it's some of the most beautiful singing I've heard in a while. And then for and then for uh, myself, for guys only, some of the best singing I've heard is during our prayer group that we have with um, the with the social club that Isaiah and Colin and I are in. And having sixty guys in a dorm room, uh, so to say, um, is is pretty inspiring and it is uh, uplifting to hear the voices that come together and let me let you know that you don't have to be in chorus or you don't have to have a uh, uh, have to be any good at singing to sing and worship because that that's the beauty of the singing uh, in our worship is that it doesn't matter how good your voice is if you sing out if you if you don't sound good other people will drown you out because the singing is just so beautiful and it, and all the voices work together and God really don't care how good you sound anyway so sing out Make your voice heard and um, and praise God in the process. And
0: and that's the important part, right? right. You know, it yes, it it sounds better to us right. when we've got a little bit of musical training, when we can understand voice voice parts and things like that. But the rea- reality of the uh, of the you know the, the fact of the matter is that when we sing, we're not singing for ourselves. We're not singing to entertain ourselves or to entertain anyone else. We're singing to praise God. Mm-hmm. We're singing hymns to worship God, to thank him for all that he's done for us. You know, some songs can be prayers of thanks. Some songs can be prayers of, you know, I need help uh, and prayers for forgiveness. Uh, it's just, and so the words of these songs, and we got into this with Zach, uh, but the words of these songs are what really matters. And so it's important for us when we sing to realize why we're doing it to praise God and, uh, you know, and to also understand that it benefits us as well, and that, and we see that with everything that we do in worship, everything that we that we do in worship. Not only are we commanded to do it, uh, outside of maybe you could make the argument that we're not commanded to do Bible classes. We don't see that in Scripture, but it's it's a smart idea to, to help everyone uh, continue to grow in their knowledge. Anyway, but you know, outside of classes, everything that we do in worship is specifically commanded to do. And again. Classes is the exception, but classes are still very, very important, especially for the youth. And so we've looked at classes, we've looked at singing, and something else that we do a lot in worship is we pray. Mm. And, of course, 1 Thessalonians five seventeen, pray without ceasing, right? And as we talked about in the introduction, we should be serving God, we should be worshiping God every day. But there's something different about being unified with a group of people to worship God, even if it's just a couple people or it could be a couple hundred, right? It, when, when, and, and, and there's a different kind of purpose when you're praying just, be- it's just between you and God and then when you're participating or leading in a public prayer. There, there's, there's a bit of a difference there. But the, the point of the matter is that when we pray, we are talking to God, God has spoken to us through his word, and prayer gives us a chance to talk to him. Uh, Paul said in Philemon, excuse me, Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he says, pray to God, ask God to help you. That's, that's basically what supplication means. He says, "You can thank God in your prayers. You can make your request be made known to God. Praying is how we talk to God, and, and when we pray in worship, you know, it's we're supposed to be united in mind, united in purpose, and be able to uh, be able to talk to God as a congregation. And I think there's something really, really special about that.
1: Yeah, yeah. prayer is uh, prayer is a powerful thing, and it's a powerful tool that sometimes we don't use too often." Um, and prayer and worship is uh, something that um, I feel like is easier to sort of um, just try to be like, hurry up, let's get through this, because oftentimes we look forward to the closing prayer, and we're like, all right, come on, let's, let's hurry up, let's get done so we can get out of here and beat the Baptist to lunch or whatever, and so, so oftentimes we, we tend to neglect prayer, um, and we tend not to take it seriously, but I think it's vitally important. Like Isaiah was saying, that we take it seriously in worship, because, and not only in worship, but any time that we pray, because it gives us that opportunity to uh, thank Him for what He's done, to uh, to to give Him thanks, and uh, to go to Him whenever we need help and stuff like that. And you know, whenever we were writing this episode, we 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 compared prayer to the song that you can't always get what you want. And uh, and I think it's really true because whenever you pray, you don't always get what you want, but you can try sometimes and uh, you get what you need, essentially, in the end. And so God's going to provide what you need, but he's not always going to give you what you want. Um, and so we we do prayer for the purpose of asking God and giving thanks to God and whatnot. Um, but in the end, it's ultimately up to God on how our prayers are returned.
0: And you I'm going to spend a few seconds talking about that, but the the idea is that God knows better, right? Right? And, and we talk about this with Jude Bowers, and in, uh, in episode two about the authority of God and how God is all knowing and, and all powerful and all and things like that. So, so the idea is, you know, I can pray my heart out for a bright new shiny Lamborghini. I don't need a Lamborghini, and God knows that. God knows that I have a working car right now that I'm very thankful for and uh, I don't I am not in need of a fancy sports car nor could I afford to pay for one in all in all reality so the idea is that yes God is listening to your prayers but God is not just going to give you whatever you want he's not a genie right you're not going to be able to rub the magic bottle and say I want x y and z that's not how it works what is going to happen is that God's going to hear you. God's going to uh, think about your request, And and if your request is something that is not sinful, if your request is something that uh, is according to his will, then he will honor that request. But if your request is, you know, even if it's, for example, you know, you're praying over a family member or a loved one who's sick, the idea still is that God knows better. So even if it's painful now and it's difficult now to see your loved ones suffer and, and maybe even potentially pass away, God knows better. And it, it it's hard for us to say that. It's hard for us to understand it. It's hard for us to under, to, to know why God does some of the things that he does. But that's, that's where the aspect of faith comes in. And we talked about this with Jude, but, you know, the point is that we can either trust in ourselves or we can trust in God. Those are the only two options we have. And I don't know about you, Walker. I don't know about you, Colin. But uh, I would much rather put my trust in in the God of the Bible, who's shown to be all loving and all righteous and all just and all knowing, instead of me, who's you know not very good at loving people, not very good at knowing things, not very good at judging or being righteous. I'd much rather put my faith in God.
1: Amen. Very well said.
0: So, one of the things that we do, especially with prayer, uh, you know, one of the, one of the times that we use prayer the most in worship is with the Lord's Supper, right? You're going to have a prayer. Uh, mo- most congregations will have a prayer for the, the bread, a prayer for the juice, and then a prayer for the contribution, which we'll get into here in a second. But the idea is that, you know, wh- what what is communion, right? Well, it's... it's a, boils down to, it's a little bit of bread and a little bit of juice. But it's what it symbolizes that's really, really important. The idea of communion is not just, oh, let's have a little bit of a snack to help us finish the worship service. That's not not what it is. It's a remembrance ceremony. It's a way to remember Christ.
2: Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm not very... I need to study communion more, but I, I like that we pray before And, You know, communion I used to a lot of times not really appreciate, and the more that I've the 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 more that I've grown as a Christian, and more recently I've started to you know really really take that time and try to, you know, devote that to my remembrance. Cause you know, we see in a lot of churches that the communion table says, in remembrance of me. You know, we're doing that to remember. So I like to close my eyes when I take the bread and think about on that cross his skin. All the the scars from the whips and all the all the beatings, you know, that that, that this perfect man took for us. And you know, I like whenever we take the, the cup, I like to think about, you know, that his blood was, he bled so much, didn't it It turned into water? He bled so much, you know, for us. And then when we give back, I like to think about everything that that contribution is doing for and all the gifts that God has given me. You know, I, I'm a college kid, so I don't have much money, but I try to give when I can. You know, communion is so important that we think about all the blessings that God gives us, but on top of that, all the suffering that God did for us. You know, we suffer a lot in this world, but it's never going to add up to the suffering that God endured on that cross for us, for our sins. And on top of that, that was like the first time that God, that Jesus experienced sin Mm -hmm. for us, our sin on his shoulders. Mm -hmm. So we've got to be thankful that God did that. And we've got to remember that this was the first time Jesus experienced sin for us.
1: Amen. Yeah, it's definitely a powerful moment. Uh, and whenever I and it 's hard in the moment, especially in worship and stuff whenever your stomach's growling for lunch and stuff like that, to really be focused on uh, on what Christ has done for us but what I like to do is I like to often look at my hand and I like to think while I look at my hand about the nails being driven through the hand. I like to look at my feet uh, and think about the nails being driven through my feet I just like to look at every single aspect of uh, my body, and think about how that was affected in Christ's um, in Christ situation. How my well, I can't really look at my back, but I like to think about my back and how it was, and how His was whipped uh, with the whip. Um, and I like to feel my head, and that's where the that's where the things were. Well, that's where that uh, that crown was placed on His head, um, which was not a very uh, very comfortable crown to wear and i like to think of uh all all the other things that he experienced for uh me and it 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 can be hard but um but it's definitely a sombering time and it's a time of remembrance it's a time of uh thankfulness because oftentimes i think we we uh, forget how much christ actually went through for us we we oftentimes repeat it and we're like yeah he went through a lot he went through a lot but we never really take the time to sit back and really, truly reflect on, man, this this was a lot, and it was uh, it was a big burden. You know, so, go ahead. You know,
2: I like to think about. Sorry for interrupting, but I like to think about it. This perfect man came down from heaven. Mm-hmm. This perfect man took off his golden crown to put on a crown of thorns. This gold. This perfect man put down his golden scepter. To have his hands, his shoulders probably dislocated at a socket, nailed up on a cross and driven up. This man probably took off his beautiful shoes to have a nail driven in his feet. This man set up off of his golden throne and was put on a cross. Now, this man was perfect and
0: endured all of that for us. So when we think
2: about in remembrance.
0: What? No, nothing, nothing. Uh, you know, some, something that, that helps me focus on the remembrance ceremony, because, uh, of course, that's that's what we're doing, right? We're trying to focus on Christ. We're trying to focus on the the suffering that he went through, as you were speaking about, Colin. Something that helps me is just going through a, going to a gospel account and just reading the crucifixion and just reading what happened, what what Jesus endured for our sake. So I think that's everything that we needed to say about communion, and and as we mentioned, we also typically will do contribution at the same time, just because it's convenient. Uh, Someone is already up there. Usually, the uh, the collection plates are are with the communion trays, and so it's 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 a convenient time to take a uh, basically a donation from the members of the congregation to help the work of that church you know pay for the electricity bill pay for the uh the uh the preacher you know all, all these things you know the evangelism and the edification and the benevolence work that a congregation may do mission that's work. supported by what mission work. mission work definitely that's supported by the members of the congregation giving back to the church from what god has given to them so we see that commanded for us in the scriptures uh especially in the book of first Corinthians is it chapter 16 Walker, where he talks about the collection yeah, Ch- so. chapter 16. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's something else that we do
1: practice for our own peoples. So. Yes. Yes.
0: Uh, please, please let us know if we have misquoted anything, but anyway, so we we've talked about so far classes and, and prayer and singing and communion. And then there's one more thing that usually happens during a church service, and that's the sermon. And as Colin was talking about earlier, you know that's when one man will get up and he will deliver a lesson from God's word. And all three of us have a, some experience with preaching, and and we we may not exactly know what we're doing yet because we're all still trying to grow as, as servants and as preachers. But we're learning as
1: we go. <laughs> right. The,
0: the the basic idea is that you know someone is going to look at you know maybe a passage of scripture, maybe an idea from scripture. And they're going to try and put application from the Scripture to the people listening.
1: Just imagine it's what we're doing on this podcast, but just one person who does it. Right. So we're we're taking a topic that we find uh, that would be beneficial to people, and we are looking at what Scripture has to say about it, and we're putting it into some practical applications for you, the, the listener. And so that's what the person who is presenting the lesson is doing. They're taking a topic that is applicable to their congregation or, uh, I guess, is uh, beneficial to their congregation at the time. And oftentimes the minister will base that sermon upon the congregation's needs. Um, maybe there was a recent death in the congregation, and so the uh, the minister may get up there the, next, the following Sunday and preach a lesson of hope, a lesson of uh, sorrow, um, one about sorrow or hope or whatever. And so he may use that because it's most relevant to what the congregation is experiencing. And so sometimes you'll see that happen within the church setting. Um, and so oftentimes the, the sermon is based upon what the congregation
0: is in need of at that moment in time. And, and like you like we were saying, Walker, the, the point of the sermon, right, it's to help the members of that congregation draw closer to God. Mm-hmm. And what I've found from when I've been given the chance and the, and the blessing to present a lesson is that usually what happens? Is I will read a passage of scripture, or you know, be thinking about a pat uh, an idea from scripture, and the first person whose life is changed because of that is mine. Yeah. Right. And so I, I think any solid preacher would say the same thing. That I benefit
1: more from my sermon preps than I do during my personal devotional. Time yeah. Because absolutely, it's definitely a time of deeper study.
0: Right. And it, and it forces you to think about okay. What is the author saying and what is it what did it mean for its original audience and what does it mean for me? Yeah. right? And so like we were saying, that kind of forces us as preachers not only to practice what we preach, but to make sure that we are diving into the text and that we are bless you, bless you that we are making sure that you know we're presenting the text and making sure that we say what it says and, and how it applies to Christians. So the sermon is a, is a very, very important part of the worship assembly. It's where everyone is together to hear a lesson from God's word to draw nearer to Him.
1: Fellowship is another key part moving along here. Fellowship is another um, part in our, or just in the church um, uh, in general. Uh, this ne- this isn't necessarily a part of worship, but it is a key part in um, in giving glory to god and then building up one another and stuff like that so uh it, it's all about bonding with people um and we need to uh we need to do this because uh we need to not only bond with people but just get to know people in our congregation um
0: and so we have in here romans 12 uh romans twelve fifteen specifically okay uh, the, the point of fellowship, like we've been talking about, that's really to build one another up, mm-hmm. right? And so we have things like youth events, like church camps, like church retreats, like potlucks, game nights, wh- whatever it may be. It's, it's the, for the purpose of being closer together as God's family. That's the point of fellowship. And I think really everything that we do in fellowship, it can be boiled down to that. It's drawing closer to one another so that we can together draw closer to God. And I think a big part of fellowship is the verse that we mentioned earlier is Romans 12, 15. Paul says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep, right? The, the passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that we talked about earlier, you know, Paul says there, if one member suffers, we all suffer. If one member is rejoicing, we all rejoice, right? And so, like, at the end of, uh, at the, end of the, the service where you, know, you may be doing announcements, Uh, you know housekeeping things of that nature members will sometimes speak up and say you know i'm going through this or my family's going through this or my friend is going through this keep them in your prayers and we can you know we'll we'll pray for them together to uh and we'll continue to pray for them individually and it 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 helps those who are suffering it also lets us know that people are suffering so that we can first of course pray about it to God who has more power and resources than we do and then we can try and help if we can but we're also during those announcement periods told of joyful news like maybe a family is expecting another child or maybe somebody got a promotion at work or you know whatever whatever the case may be we rejoice with those who are rejoicing, and we weep with those who weep so that's really the the key point to fellowship. It's binding together. It's being drawn closer together to be God's people, to be God's family. And I think that's really just about everything that we wanted to say with this episode. We didn't go into a lot of depth uh, because we had a lot of things that we wanted to cover. And uh, some of these things, like we mentioned, will be on later episodes. So please stay tuned for those so that you can uh, get a deeper knowledge of singing, get a deeper knowledge of what we do at the Lord's Supper. Is there anything else that we need to mention before we kind of wrap this episode up? Did Colin have any other things to say?
2: You know, not to keep it long, I'll keep it short and simple, but I love, as as a future youth minister, that I love the outside events. I love church camp. I love retreats. I love... You know, Youth Rallies, CYC, Lads to Leaders, all these events, they help teenagers grow closer to God and help us to grow as well. I just, there's something about fellowship that helps us grow closer to God because you're around other like-minded Christians, you know. I think we must remember that that we've got the body of Christ for a reason, you know, so we can share each other's burdens, so we can walk through life together. I think we've got to remember that it's important that we do that.
0: I think that's all we have for today. We appreciate your guys' attention, uh, and we'd love to keep talking with you guys. If you have a question about anything that we said in this episode or a separate episode, or you just want to talk to us, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. We have our own website. We have a phone number. Oh, that's my cue. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 731-439-9671. So you can reach out to us through any of those ways. If you're going to... Uh, message us at this phone number we request that you please text us and not and not call as we are full-time college students so we're not probably may may not be able to answer your call at that time uh, and if there's nothing else uh we thank you again so much for for listening colin we thank you for coming on the show thank you for having me of course we love you man and we, we're glad to have thank you, you and, uh, if there's nothing further then i think walker you're going to close us out in prayer
1: yeah father we love you and we thank you for this time together we thank you for what your word has to say regarding worship and how we're supposed to do it we pray that as we've studied your word today we can take the things we learned and apply it to our lives we pray all this in your son's name we pray Amen.